Hello everyone and welcome to my most anticipated movie review of 2017. I am your host, Andre Hutchins, and you are listening to episode 48 of Backseat Directors, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest in movie reviews and recommendations and where you, the listener, can be a guest host on the show with me. And today I am joined by one of my closest friends, Daniel Criddle. He has been patiently waiting for his time as a backseat director, and I couldn't be more happy to have him on the show. Now, listeners, this is your first of many warnings to come, but today's movie review will be spoiler-filled. I repeat, this is not a spoiler-free episode, Um, and I'll be sure to warn you guys a few more times before we actually start getting into the movie review, but just consider yourselves forewarned. Okay, let's welcome Daniel to the show. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Oh, man, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, out of out of everyone, Daniel, that I think that has asked to be on the podcast and that I've wanted to be on the podcast, too, I think you have waited the longest. <laughs> it's been such a long wait. <laughs> been fraught with trials and tribulation, but we made it. <laughs> yeah, I know. We definitely had a few speed bumps, you know, in the road on getting you on here. And uh, I, I mean, I think at least at least once, maybe more than once, we were planning on doing a movie review, but uh, it just didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, different reasons. I think it was twice. We, we're going to do two different ones, but um, it's probably best that I wasn't on for those movies. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I, I mean, at least the one specifically that I'm remembering, and I, it was Flatliners. And so, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that I was nev- a no go. I never, I never got to see that movie. Um, I know you saw the old one, but I, <laughs> yeah, it's probably best we didn't review that one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, dude, I'm happy to have you on, man. I know it's been a long time, and uh, you know, I've been, I've been doing the podcast for goodness, close to ten months now. Um, yeah. But, I think I think the wait has paid off, Daniel. You get to review a movie that many, 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 many people have asked to review with me. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in goodness, you know, nowadays, I mean, w- w- you know, is there 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 really isn't a, a bigger box office draw? There isn't really. It's it's kind of the biggest thing going on right now. Well, Daniel, I'm really happy to have you on, and I'm excited to talk this movie with you. Um, but before we start talking Star Wars, let's Uh-oh. let's have our listeners get to know you, Daniel Criddle, um, and find out what kind of movie fan you are and ask you some get-to-know-you questions. You ready? Let's do it. Now it's time for some get-to-know-you questions. All right, man. Question number one. Daniel, what is your Desert Island movie? Oh, man. I thought, well, I've had about 10 months to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps changing. Cause I, I mean, I go with one and I change another. I think what I've decided on, because it speaks a lot about me, I guess, sort of, because I'm sort of weird sometimes. <laughs> I would go with Hayao Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke. Really? Wow. Yeah, Damn. right? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I love almost all Studio Ghibli films. They're so fun, full of wonder. And uh, if you haven't seen Princess Mononoke and aren't into anime at all, for me, it's the one I go to to kind of like introduce people into that world. Right, right. right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a hardcore fan, but I enjoy a good 
anime film. Uh, but for me, it's just it's this imaginative adventure where you get to see and do all sorts of strange things, and it kind of follows that hero's journey arc very well. And it doesn't necessarily have a happy ending, but it's a positive ending full of hope. And so I feel like if I were stranded on a on a desert island, I would like that adventure escape and. Uh, a sense of hope in the end, <laughs> even though I'm stranded still, and it's not exactly happy. <laughs> Daniel, I don't even know if you realize this, but um, you you were the person that introduced me to Princess Mononoke. Yeah, I thought so. I thought I I thought that's what what had happened. There. Yeah, no, back in back in our college days, um, we it, it was just a movie night, and I was third wheeling it with you and Talia. <laughs> Produce, produce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, so yeah. So Dan, Princess Mononoke. I yeah, I completely remember that movie, and I remember watching it with you for the first time, and I I just remember just thinking, wow, what the heck was this movie? <laughs> but but I have since seen it multiple times, and I really like that movie. Yeah. And so yeah, no, you Very you got watchable. yeah, no, well, you got me on the kick of. Uh, um, not, not just any kind of anime movie, but specifically, um, that director's, you know, his yeah. line of movies. And so, you know, since then I've seen, um, I've seen Howl's Moving Castle. Uh-huh. I've, I've seen, um, Spirited Away. And I think Spirited Away is probably his most, I would most say. Most acclaimed or yes. well-known probably. Yeah. 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 And I really enjoyed that one. Um, and yeah, just a couple others, but no, I, I like his movies. They're really good. Yeah. For sure. Okay, Daniel, question number two. When you go to the theaters, what is your go-to snack? <sighs> this was another one I had to think about. It's I'm, I'm on kind of the same train as some of the other uh, guest hosts you had mm-hmm. uh, that go with kind of popcorn mix-ins. I don't yeah. know about Skittles, though. I don't think I could go that route. I know, right? <laughs> I still have yet to try that, but I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too excited know. to try it. <laughs> I don't think that's my, my, my cup of tea. But <laughs> what I do, what I've been doing usually is Bunch of Crunch. I think one other person had that answer. Yeah. I, I like them a lot, and I don't get them anywhere else. I think you can, but it's basically like chocolate-covered popcorn, so if you put that in popcorn, right. it's a double whammy. But right. I'll go with Bunch of Crunch. Yeah, dude. Bunch of Crunch is good, man. Bunch of Crunch is really good. No, I remember my friend Doug. He's the one that had that answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Daniel. Question number three. What was the first movie that made you cry? Ooh, this one actually was easy. It was a very poignant memory for me. Uh, it was My Girl. Oh, nice. So, yeah. yeah. It had just come out on video i think and we watched it and as a family i can't remember how old i was it must have been five or six yeah but uh i felt betrayed by my own emotions <laughs> as a six-year-old because <laughs> it never happened before and first of all i mean uh, it's a very sad ending i mean i assume people have probably seen that by now yep. it's old movies yeah they, they haven't even heard of it but mm-hmm. anyway macaulay culkin's character dies in the end right by bee stings i know and i was I just know. like what that can happen that's not cool but like i just remember being like what's happening right now i feel so sad and i'm crying about this movie but no, yes. it, it, uh, it surprised me but that was that was the first one you know there 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 are a lot of movies that 
Um, and I think it's becoming more well. And I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm speaking way way too out of context. But you know, there there are really good movies that don't have happy endings per se. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. and um and and my girl, my girl is like that was like my first introduction into not every story has a happy ending. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's yeah. No, that that one that one is a very memorable movie from from my child as well. I mean, you and I being the same age. I mean, yeah, we Yeah. Yeah, that's a movie that I grew up with definitely. Yeah. Okay, Dan. Uh question number 4, do you have a favorite director and or actor? Uh, this one I don't know if I could narrow down. I really like um and this is what I was trying to pull up. <laughs> but uh um is it David Fincher that directs Memento? Uh, no. no, Memento is actually Christopher Nolan. Chris, no, of course it's Christopher Nolan. I was trying to pull it up and I can't remember. But <laughs> 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 so, so it was how much stock I put in that. But no, I would say uh, Christopher Nolan. I mean, he has so many other great movies that have come out more recently. But Memento really blew my mind as a adolescent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was really... Uh, amazing kind of masterpiece of a movie that presented in a way that hadn't really been done before. And I, ever. I loved it. Yeah, yes. Ever. Yeah. I, you know, I recently watched that movie the, for the first time, my sister, Samantha and her husband, they, you know, they saw it on Netflix. And so they watched it and they're like, Oh my gosh, you have to watch this movie. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I love Nolan and I love his movies. I'm not sure how I never had seen that one, but that was, yeah, that was one of his first movies before, you know, even before like prestige and things like that, yeah. when Nolan started to really like get noticed, yeah, Memento's a good one. So wait, so yeah. you said you said David Finchner though. So David Finchner, he did he did like movies like Seven and um, The Social Network and Zodiac and things like that. Yeah, so that that would have been my number two. Oh, okay, okay. One, but I couldn't remember which one. I flip flop in between. But yeah, yeah. So I'll, we'll we'll go with Christopher Nolan. Okay, dude. Yeah, Chris. I mean, hey, there's no arguing against Christopher Nolan. What what is Memento your favorite Nolan movie? I would say yes. Oh, yeah. very good, man. Very good. It's one of the outliers too, especially with his, you know, more more recent films. You know, uh, yeah. it, it obviously you have the Dark Knight trilogy, and then yeah. um, it, you know, Inception. I think Inception is probably widely uh, considered, you know, one of his best films. Yeah. Um, did what? What about Dunkirk? Did you see Dunkirk? I was not able to see Dunkirk yet. Oh shoot! 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 Looking forward to it. Well, hopefully it's it's gonna. I'm I'm really hoping, and just because. It, it was a, a cinematic experience unlike any other. And, and yeah. what I mean by that is like specifically in IMAX. Um, so hopefully, oh. uh, you know, it, it's a movie that, you know, maybe like a five year anniversary or something like that. It'll get re-released in the theaters. But I mean, it's a good movie. I think it's a good movie, you know, either way. But like, yeah, yeah it was a movie that was like meant to be experienced in IMAX. And like, man, yeah, no, no, it was, <laughs> it was good. It was good. But I, I definitely wouldn't say it's his best. No, no, no like far. I, I, I would you know, put the Dark Knight and even Inception or Interstellar up there, but I really enjoyed Dunkirk. It was good. It was good. Oh yeah, Interstellar is also a big favorite of mine too. So, what about a uh, actor, uh, or are you just going with director? Uh, we'll just go with director. I mean, I I value more performances, and there's so many amazing actors, but I feel like sometimes no name actors can also put in equally amazing performances. Oh, absolutely. So I don't, yeah. so I don't put a ton of stock into. Like I'll go see a movie because it has this person's name on it. Um, um, do I want to pick one? No, no, dude, that's totally could, fair though. I, I think that's I, totally I could fair. Throw one out though, like 
if if I were going to pick one, I would have to say maybe Kate Blanchett. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice, yeah, yeah. Are you, are you going with her Lord of the Rings performance? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> no, she, no was, she was great. She was phenomenal in uh, Ragnarok as well. Just this last summer, I yeah. Yeah, I, I liked her as a villain. I think she played yeah. a really good villain. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, was really good. it was really fun to watch. Okay, Dan, last question. If you could change the ending of any one movie, which movie would it be and how would you change it? And let the listeners know if you're going to add some spoilers. Okay. <laughs> well, initially I was going to go the uh, uh, Return of the King or I Am Legend route. <laughs> but I feel like those have both been called out so many times. <laughs> well, um, so I think I think um, Hunter Hunter did Return of the King, uh-huh. and I'm oh, I'm trying to think who did I Am Legend. I can't remember, but go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So what I actually what I remembered it always bugged me is that uh, th- this is a spoiler alert for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Let's so. hear it. It's out there. <laughs> Let's hear it, man. Let's hear it. the end, because I kind of did it in a weird way. I watched all the movies. I watched all the movies before I read the books just because I didn't get on the book train early. Right. But between uh, movies, is it seven and eight, how they broke them up into two? Right. So between that, I actually read all of the books. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, I had a lot of time in that period. <laughs> but I, I mean, I love them. They're obviously great books, but I was so disappointed how they ended it with the wand specifically when Harry gets the elder wand and he breaks it and just chucks it. And that's not the part that bugs me in the book before he, well, he's going to go put it back in Dumbledore's tomb, I think. But, um, before he doesn't gets away with it or p- puts it away, he fixes his own wand <laughs> with it. <laughs> and I thought that was just a, a great use. Like he showed that yes, the wand did choose him, and he can do great magic. And instead of holding onto that wand, he's restoring something that was broken in the past. Because normally you can't fix wands in in Harry Potter verse. Potter lore. But I just thought it was a a fun way for him to do a throwback and still also give up the power of the the Elder Wand. And I just thought it would have been pretty easy to do and and was disappointed that it didn't happen that way in the movies. But um, nothing nothing epic or life-changing, but... That's my two cents. <laughs> oh, dude. It, 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 but it's small things like that, though, that that really carry a lot of weight, like really yeah. small things. Yeah. Um, I, dude, I, that's great, man. I, so I <laughs> I read I read the first three books and, uh-huh. and then I got to book four and it was like 800 pages. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> this is back when we were at BYU and going to college and stuff like that. And I'm like, I probably yeah. shouldn't be reading these books because we're taking like biology and cell biology. And like, like we should probably be studying. But but yeah, like I started reading the books and I read the first three in like a month. Like I just yeah. powered through them. And But I, I didn't. I didn't go past that, but, um, yeah, I had no idea that was, that was in the book. I think that's, yeah. that's, it's beautiful. Like it, it really is. It, it's something that does add a lot of depth to, you know, just something so small and, and minuscule uh-huh. almost. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. That's good. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Daniel. Excellent. Excellent answers, dude. That was great. Yeah. Well, I thanks. like it. All right, man. You ready to get into the, the meat of this podcast? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Dan, we're going to go ahead and introduce this week's movie. Backseat Directors presents 
this week's movie. And this week's movie review is on Star Wars The Last Jedi. Movie details. Picking up right where Episode 7, The Force Awakens, left off, the Resistance has struck a decisive blow against the First Order in destroying Starkiller Base. But the First Order is right on the heels of the Resistance as they attempt to flee their base and look for a new home. Rey has found the longtime missing Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, who has been in self-imposed exile for many years. Rey and the Resistance have placed all of their hope in Luke to help turn the tide of this conflict but this is not the same Luke Skywalker that saved the galaxy from the Empire so many years ago. Demons from mistakes made long ago still haunt Luke and continue to have repercussions through the Skywalker family and the whole galaxy. With Kylo Ren and the First Order closing in on this small remaining band of resistance fighters, it is up to Rey to face this darkness with or without The Last Jedi. Star Wars The Last Jedi was released in US theaters on December 15th, 2017, and it has the longest running time of any Star Wars movie to date at 2 hours and 32 minutes. The Last Jedi is rated PG-13 for sequences of sci-fi action and violence. Kidsinmind.com gives The Last Jedi a 1 out of 10 for sexual content, a 6 out of 10 for violence, and a 3 out of 10 for profanity. Basically, if you have ever let any of your children see any of the previous Star Wars movies, this one is no different. The Last Jedi stars most of the original cast from The Force Awakens, and uh, we have Daisy Ridley back as our burgeoning hero, Ray, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, John Boyega as Finn, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, and the two Skywalker twins, Luke and Leia, played by our beloved Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. This was Fisher's final movie before she passed away one year ago. The Last Jedi was directed by Ryan Johnson, and Johnson is a young and up-and-coming director who really made a name for himself back in 2012 with his film called Looper. But Ryan Johnson has also made such an impression on Lucasfilm that he has been given the reins to head the creation of a new Star Wars trilogy that will step outside of the Skywalker story. Ryan has been praised for his risk-taking in directing and writing The Last Jedi, and if any of you who have not seen the movie yet are expecting to be transported back to your childhood in the old Star Wars movies, think again, The Last Jedi is not your parents' Star Wars. So uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi was composed by maybe the most iconic film composer ever, John Williams. Williams has done such a superb job of continuing his legendary work of Star Wars music, creating new themes for both Rey and Kylo that have continued from The Force Awakens into The Last Jedi, along with maintaining uh, those other well-known and beautiful themes such as the Princess Leia theme, The Force, and so many others. The uh, Last Jedi had a production budget of approximately $200 million, and as expected, Star Wars The Last Jedi has absolutely crushed it at the box office. Opening weekend in the United States topped $220 million. This is the second largest opening weekend in box office history, only behind the 2015 Star Wars film The Force Awakens. Currently, 
The worldwide box office total is just under $500 million. It's very unlikely that The Last Jedi will outdo The Force Awakens, but I fully expect The Last Jedi to sit in the number one spot for many, many weeks to come. Okay, listeners, this is another spoiler warning. So if you do not did not hear me in the very beginning of this uh, podcast episode, I am giving you a second spoiler warning. Dan and I are going to go into some serious major spoilers in discussing and reviewing The Last Jedi. So if you have not seen the movie, I highly encourage you to just push pause on this podcast, go see it, and then come back and listen to our review. Backseat Directors Movie Review. All right, Daniel, we are are jumping straight into our movie review. And listeners, we have already mentioned this before, and I'll say it again. This is a spoiler-filled podcast review of The Last Jedi. If you have not seen the movie and you do not want to know what happens in the movie, (laughs) I highly suggest that you push pause on this podcast and go see the movie and then come back and listen to our review. But if... You know, if you don't mind spoilers, by all means stay. But we are going to spoil the heck out of the Last Jedi. So you're going to start this podcast with like sirens. <laughs> no, I am. I totally am. I'll go back and I'll, I'm going to add. I'm going to add a lot of sound effects just to make sure that people okay. understand. Like this is a spoiler-filled podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> so Dan, I don't. You know, I don't do spoiler-filled podcasts very often. I think I've done it maybe twice before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons I, I know I did it on our review of Terminator 2 because that got re-released into theaters and that movie's oh, like yeah. 25 years yeah. old, you know, yeah, and so totally. spoiler filled. And then we did a spoiler filled one on um, on. Oh, shoot. Uh, the Kingsman. I don't know if you've seen you saw that movie, but I didn't. See it. I, I like the first one, but. Yeah, I, I hated like the second one so much that I'm like, look, I can't hold back. I can't hold back. I, I got to tell why I don't like this movie. And so it was a spoiler-filled podcast. But um, And that might be giving away my views and thoughts about The Last Jedi and what I want, why I want this to be spoiler-filled. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, okay, so Dan, you saw it opening <laughs> night, right? I did see it opening the night. Same, yeah. same here. Yeah, I went. You know, it kind of it's been tradition now. Um, you know, I I, I go with uh, Jacqueline and Ben and the boys. You know, so my nephews. And so this is like third year in a row we've all gone to see Star Wars opening night. Amy came, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just so there we were there, family friends, and um, I was pretty pumped, man. I mean, as as expected, and I'm only assuming you were pretty excited for this movie too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is a huge part of my childhood and and beyond. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean Yeah, so I I was excited. I was looking forward to it. So it's been two years since episode seven came out when we got the Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. You know, I and I I want I, I kinda wanna know what your anticipation was for that movie because you know that was that came out December 2015. It had been over 10 years since we yeah. had gone to Star Wars film, and I think many people, you know, before Disney bought Lucasfilm, I, I think many people really wondered if there was ever going to be another Star Wars film again. Yeah, and um, you know, and all of a sudden Disney buys Lucasfilm, and then they announce we are going to do another trilogy, and like it was. It was like Christmas Day. It, it was yeah, it was fair. incredible, and so I, I, my dude, my expectations for the Force Awakens, 
And and I thought their promo and their marketing for the movie was just superb. I was so excited, like through the roof excited. I've never been more excited for a movie that I can remember in my life. And so, I mean, so tell me, tell me what your lead up was for the Force Awakens though two years ago. Do you remember? Well, yeah, I was super excited as well, but with the caveat that I did not like the prequels. <laughs> You're not alone, Daniel. So you are not alone. <laughs> totally, and I mean, I know you've had some. Was it you? Well, there there are people that actually prefer those to the originals. Which yeah, and I think I, I, I think I think that's, that's usually okay. it's usually it's very generational. So people that yeah, no, totally. they, they were kids, yeah, they were yeah. kids when Episode One came out, and that's the Star Wars they grew up with. And I, I think right. I think it's rare for people who are fans of Star Wars that they uh-huh. prefer the prequels over the originals. I definitely think it's right. rare. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I was really excited. I I was particularly excited that George Lucas was no longer at the helm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just seemed like he was Michael Baying the heck out of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> like this worked last time. Let's do it ten times bigger now. So, yeah, I don't know. So I was excited about that, and and so excited and curious, but I didn't have huge expectations. I was willing to go on a journey and didn't expect it to be one thing or another. Basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I was excited though. So, give me, I guess, give me your quick, your quick rating of, of, um, the of the Force Awakens. Is it two thumbs up? Is it one thumbs up? Is it thumbs down? For me, is it two thumbs up? I I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't have any big problems with it. Like the fact that it it parallels Episode Four so closely also doesn't bother me. I don't think that's a cop out in any way. I don't think it's just like, you know, rebooting Star Wars for the next generations. I feel like there's enough different in The Force Awakens um, that it that it does stand on its own two feet and does fit in well. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it it kind of has to be a, a new story, a new beginning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, my so going back to just what I was saying about how like un unreasonably excited I was for <laughs> for the Force Awakens. Like you can even ask Amy. Like she was. I mean, I was. I, it was it was ridiculous amounts of excitement. And so so when I saw the Force Awakens, I. It, it was like coming down off of a huge high, and and it's not that I didn't like the movie because I really did enjoy the movie. Yeah. Um, it was like, oh my gosh, it's over! Like it, 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 it finally came. All the waiting is done. I saw the movie. It's over, and so it was really like it really felt like you're just coming off of like a huge high. Yeah. And um and the more I saw the movie, and I've seen it multiple times since it's been released. Um, I've really grown to appreciate and enjoy the movie for what it is, even though my biggest so you, is, felt let, you felt let down. No, 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 no. I didn't feel let down from the force awakens. I think uh, what, what I had a hard time wrapping around of uh, wrapping my mind around was this no longer was a really a story about our original characters, you know? Oh, yeah. So even though that they had the, the original cast in there and you got Han Solo and you got Leia and you got Chewie, R2D2, mm-hmm. C3PO. And then finally Luke, this really isn't their story. And so I think that's, that is what I was, you know, I had to get my mind wrapped around. Um, because 
as a Star Wars fan, my favorites are the originals, and my favorite character has always been Luke. And yeah. so Luke, Luke's character is the one that has meant the most to me in his story and his journey and what has happened to him. And so when, you know, obviously Luke doesn't even have a single line in The Force Awakens and you see him at the right. very end for like 30 seconds, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, I wanted more Luke. But I, in spite of all of that, I still really enjoyed The Force Awakens. And I, I, I mean, I, especially with J.J. Abrams, I just thought he did a fantastic job of, of kicking off this new trilogy. Totally, man. I, I absolutely, absolutely agree. I feel, to me, it, it it made sense because if you take, you know, the 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 chronological order of the story, you know, you have the first three movies, and none of the characters in the first three movies really stick around for episode four, five, and six. I mean, because technically Anakin becomes Darth Vader, so he wasn't really around in the first one. Exactly. Obi-Wan dies in that yeah, first Yeah, within, within the halfway through the movie, yeah, Obi-Wan is gone. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, to me, it, it felt like a natural shifting of saying, this is the new story. Players are still around, but things are going to change. So I, I felt okay with that. It, it I didn't. I wasn't bothered by it, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so that that is something that I I've been able to accept and get used to is that okay, then this this is this, just like you said, this is a new story. There are new players, and this is going to be their journey. Mm-hmm. And um and so, but 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 <laughs> now let's let's get into the last Jedi, okay? Okay. Everything though that the Force Awakens has set up, you know, so you obviously Ray is your your main character. She she is uh-huh. she is now your Luke. She is the one that you are going to go on a journey with, and we are going to follow her and right. see how she develops. Right, and there is all this mystery and intrigue regarding her. We don't know where she came from. We don't know who her family is. We don't know why they dropped her off on Jakku, and we don't know how all of a sudden she has all these Force abilities. Right. Yeah. You know, like just natural, born with force abilities. Um, and she doesn't really even know how she has them, too. I mean, you know, Good I think bye. one of the biggest gripes I think a lot of people have with The Force Awakens is how the heck did Rey all of a sudden know how to use the force without any type of training? You know, whereas yeah. we saw we saw Anakin and we saw Luke have to go through years and years of training in order to become proficient in the force. Right. And, um, <clears throat> you know, but I, I think I, I still don't think that that's that's too big of a problem. Just because I've I've always felt that okay they're finally going to explain who Ray is because that is what the Force Awakens built up, and not only did it build up Ray's mystery, but also the mystery of Luke, that they withheld Luke for the entire movie only for Ray to find him in the end. Yeah, and now we're going to find out where has Luke been? Why has he been gone? What happened to him? You know what has made him basically run away all these years yeah you know so there's a lot of build-up for the last jedi and a lot of a lot of anticipation at least for me personally on hoping that we were going to find out what happened to all these you know very pivotal characters so dan after you saw the movie what did you think (laughs) i loved it actually i thought it was a, a fantastic adventure a lot of fun and like just from hearing you talk about it, i can see that maybe we're going to have differing opinions oh damn <laughs> <laughs> but i like i got out and i went and saw it again the next night oh and you've already seen it twice 
Yeah, I've already seen it twice, and Shoot. I usually don't put a lot of stock in people's reviews, but just because I was going to do this podcast with you, I wanted to see what people were thinking, and I was blown away by how divisive this movie seems to be, and uh, I mean, I, I guess we're not to that part yet, but... <laughs> yeah, so... Because so. I had so much fun, I thought it was a lot of fun to see the Force working in new ways, I felt like... The movie had a lot of that Star Wars wonder and kind of humor that was not present in the prequels, I felt. And I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. Well, okay. For the, for the <laughs> podcast's sake, Dan, I am glad that you I am glad that you enjoyed it because I think it's going to make for some good conversation. <laughs> okay. and, um, and it's true. It's true. This, this movie, The Last Jedi, has become the most divided star wars movie of any star wars movie okay we this is our um i guess technically it's our ninth because of rogue one yeah um which is not a part of the episodic saga right it's not Mm -hmm. it doesn't have an episode number it's just a star wars story but it is our ninth probably either so exactly and but (laughs) but it is a star wars movie and i am including that in this so this the last jedi is the ninth star wars movie that we have gotten Mm-hmm. And it is absolutely the most divided. And so if, if people who take any stock into Rotten Tomatoes and the scores that are on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, so Rotten Tomatoes, and just for those who don't know how it works, is the numbers that they show are they're just approval ratings. So mm-hmm. they'll ask the person who's reviewing, whether they're a critic or just an audience member, did you like it or did you not like it? And so when you see a percentage that says 93% of critics approve, that just means they liked it. It's not their rating. It's not they didn't give it a ten out of ten or five out of five or whatever you however they might rate it. They they just said I liked it, and then um, so on the audience though. So ninety three percent of the critics liked it. Fifty six percent of the audience said that they, they did not like it, and this is this is the lowest audience score out of any Star Wars movie, even the Phantom Menace, which used to hold the lowest Rotten Tomato score. And and yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> it, I, I am pretty surprised at that. I really am, just because I, you know, I think, I think the Last Jedi had a lot of good going for it, um, but but Dan, I am siding with the audience on this one. I was. <laughs> Okay, and okay, and listeners, I, I want I want everybody to understand. I've only seen this movie once, and before I really make like my like my like final opinion on the movie, I do want to go see it again. So I already have tickets to go see it again. Daniel, you already beat me to the punch, and I'm happy that you got to see it again because people that I've talked to that have seen the movie and didn't like it the first time, they ended up liking it more the second time. And so yeah, I think okay. there there is something to that. I absolutely do think there's something to that. Okay, yeah. So. Okay, Dan. Well, let's <laughs> let's 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 go into our critiques. And I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know how many critiques that you have. Um, I've got quite the list. So, uh, so in, in the words of Poe Dameron, who who speaks first? You talk first. I talk first. I'll talk first. Okay, well, let's do it, my friend. Um, there were only a few when watching the first time. Kind of the same with. The, the Force Awakens, I didn't really have any expectations. I mean, yeah, there were questions, but I wasn't really expecting any specific answers. So I, I was okay with a lot of things that I think you may be saying. But for me, just on watching the movie, the only character that I thought stuck out like a sore thumb and 
didn't fit. I don't know if it was costuming or her performance, but Laura Dern for um, Admiral Holdo, was it? Yes, yes. It, it just didn't Pur- work. Purple hair me. lady. Purple hair purple lady. Purple hair lady. Like, it's like, <laughs> why does she, is she an alien or does she just visit the salon every week in space and dye her hair purple? Like, it, it just didn't. It didn't make sense to me. Uh, it just felt a little odd, but it, it wasn't enough to kind of spoil the illusion. I was just like, oh, okay, she's just going to smile and be a hardened admiral and <laughs> not tell anyone why she, or what her plan is and how they're, they're going to escape the First Order. So I don't know. That, that was a big one for me, but it, it didn't spoil the experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think her character... I, I believe her character could have been a, a I guess it, it, she could have had a, a better on-screen presence and how she was yeah. written and how she acted as yeah. well. I I, I agree. And, I, uh, I, I I was not a fan <laughs> of of Vice Admiral Holdo. I, yeah. Like and and part of the other reason is because I felt like they just replaced Leia with her. Yeah. They yeah. put Leia in a coma, and Leia's in a coma for most of the movie, and you meet this this purple haired lady who doesn't like Poe, and and we have no idea what she's even doing. Yeah, that that was that kept coming up to like why why is she not telling them why is this a conflict why can't she just tell them what the plan is do they think there's a mole <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I mean thirty seconds thirty a thirty second explanation to Poe would have avoided a total mutiny yeah <laughs> um, Finn and Rose going on this crazy pointless ex- excursion to go get a guy that was eventually going to betray them and. And yeah, I mean, and he would have been on board and he would have helped instead of hindered. Yeah. Okay, okay, keep going, keep going. And the only other one that just, actually, I guess I could say two. The next one is I didn't feel like uh, Luke milking the weird alien cow. (laughs) Just sitting up, observing the scene, the ocean alien cow was particularly useful. I mean, I guess if if you're going to argue and say like, this is establishing just kind of how far Luke has gone and, and this is his daily life, but uh, it, it just felt weird. <laughs> so, okay. So Ethan, my nephew, Ethan, he's uh-huh. sit, he's sitting next to Amy and me in the, in the theater uh-huh. and Ethan is, Oh, how old is Ethan? I, I believe he's, he's nine. He he's just like turned, he's, he's turned, he turned nine this summer. Okay. Yeah. The moment it showed those, <laughs> those <laughs> creatures i mean i'm assuming there's some type of like sea lion or something like that you know like yeah, walrus yeah. that's the kind of right. the, i guess inspiration that took mammal of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> and luke goes up there and milks it he, he audibly in the theater goes oh my gosh it covers his eyes <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay he could have just you know gone straight for the teat with his mouth and it would have been no less jarring you know <laughs> it was just kind of why so okay but did, did you recognize the color the color of the milk well yeah i mean i caught on to that like it was the green milk and they had yeah. the blue milk on, yes yeah on the, yeah and herb well because i think i think planet. the blue milk and and anybody who's a bigger star wars nerd than i am um i think the blue milk is bantha milk 
from yeah. from Tatooine. And right. so so yeah, so you're we're getting these different colored milks from different creatures and and yeah, yeah. I, it was it was a total just like kind of I an like Easter the idea, egg. Yeah. But you never saw anybody milk a bantha. <laughs> In a new home. Oh like, shoot, man! I actually it just felt weird. I, I, it felt it really was weird. very weird, and I and I definitely think it was kind of added for kind of a shock factor. But I I like yeah. that scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, funny, man. That's funny. Okay. And and last, I'm undecided about this one, but the um the space Leia scene. Yes, uh, Superman, Kal El, Leia. Yeah, Kal El, Leia. Like, uh. We were in the theater, and everyone universally just like turned to side to side to total strangers, just being like, "Oh my gosh, what just yes. happened?" Yes, and like, like moments after the scene had passed, I I thought through it and I was like, "Okay, I guess I'm okay with that," because technically, I mean, in I don't know if it, how you classify it, but like Star Wars novels or fan fiction, like supposedly Leia awakens force powers when she's when she's in need and i was like yeah you could if you technically if you force pull something or push something in space assuming newtonian physics applies in any regard which is a terrible assumption to make (laughs) 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 but if she's force pulling something and she's in space you know she's going to get pulled toward the things that she's pulling or the spaceship in this case so like it it felt weird and it was a big WTF moment, but uh, it didn't bother me too much. I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sure, I can, I can continue to suspend disbelief." Yeah, <laughs> but, that. well, and I, I'm, I'm glad you brought the scene up because it was another scene that I could have done without. Um, yeah. and, and these are my reasons. So, first, you set up this very dramatic moment where where Kylo is out attacking the rebels, yeah. and he knows his mom is on this ship. Right. And there is a moment of hesitation where he has the shot to blow up the basically the captain's area or the mm-hmm. piloting section of the ship. And he, you know, just through the force, he knows that his mom is there. Leia knows that that is Kylo as well. And and, and the he hesitates with Snoke kind of alluded to the fact that he hadn't done enough yet. Exactly. Exactly. And that, yeah. Killing, killing his father, Han, spoiler, um, in the force awakens was not enough. And so, right. you know, so Kylo is still out to prove him, you know, basically that he is loyal and dedicated to the dark side and the Snoke, but right. he hesitates. And the moment he hesitates, his fellow wingmen and the TIE fighters, they blow up, they blow up, you know, the, the pilot area. And I thought, I honestly thought Dan, that she had died. I yeah, thought we saw the end of of Leia Organa, Princess Leia. I thought it was over. Yeah, and and I my seriously, my jaw dropped. Like, oh my gosh, Ryan Johnson has cojones to <laughs> kill off Leia like this, and yeah. like in the middle of the movie, I'm like, right. oh Not my gosh, yes, yes, and then but then. It shows her floating in space, and I'm like, "Oh no, I, what what is going to happen?" And then we see her fingers twitch, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And that's when my eyes start rolling. Okay, <laughs> I think I probably would have been okay with her completely, completely somehow surviving the vacuum of space, even though that is physically impossible within the realm of reality in space as we know it as Earthlings. 
um, just because, you know, every part of her body would have exploded because of the pressure and, or non-pressure, right? It's the, I, however the vacuum of space works. I mean, your, your, your vessels will, will expand and they'll ultimately explode because of the air that's in them, right? Well, it, it, it wouldn't be good. You wouldn't technically explode, but yeah, it would be very uncomfortable and, and, you wouldn't survive. Basically. So, so okay. So let's <laughs> or at least not for very long. And it, let's it, say, let's say rapid. the force, the It'd force protected her. Okay, let's say the sure. force protected her and gave her this kind of shield or barrier or whatever, you know, and she survived. Okay, and that okay. and she was doing it unconsciously too because we saw mm-hmm. that she was unconscious and it was like the force was taking over her body. Okay, yeah, I right. can accept this, right? But what is the point of showing this? When all of a sudden you dispense of Leia's character for the rest of the movie, why do you show this and you don't bring it around to say like there is there is no follow up. There is no Leia is now going to confront Kylo. Leia is going to do something miraculous. Leia is going to show that she is, you know, much more than she seems to be as a politician or or an army leader. Like, like what was the point of showing that when all of a sudden you just put her in a coma for the rest of the movie? Yeah, I, so I can see that. I, that she just that, didn't die. <laughs> well, yeah, and and like, I you know, I I just I don't know. Like, she has that touching moment, you know, toward the end when she and Luke, you know, reunite and Luke kisses her forehead. I really enjoyed that scene. I thought that was very yeah, tasteful, was and well really done. Good. Yeah. Um. But but she doesn't serve any purpose in the movie. Like she wakes up and then she zaps Poe Dameron for being an idiot. And, um, and that's it. Like, and then she's just a passenger and we see her just looking, you know, kind of distraught and stressed because Kylo's chasing them. Like there, I just, this has been one of my biggest gripes about the new movies. If you bring in these, the original characters and casts, make them serve a purpose in the movie. Han Solo served a purpose. He served yeah. a total purpose in the movie. Chewie has been a side character. R2-D2 has been a side character. C-3PO has been a side character. They've really served no purpose other than for nostalgia factor. And I'm still wondering what the heck is Princess or General Organa's purpose. Yeah. And so that that's uh, – okay. Well, okay. I mean if anything, it seems – I mean at least some purpose that she has served is – I guess grooming uh, Poe for management or later on. <laughs> well, I hope so. I mean, you know, dem- helping curb some of his more impulsive tendencies. De- but I mean, de- demoting him, I guess, didn't really help him. You know, in the, how other people viewed him, specifically right. with purple hair lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Daniel. I and okay, so I, I. I love Star Wars so much and it pains me. It pains me not to like a movie. It really does. And as much as like there are so many things about the prequels that I don't like, I feel like they've grown on me. You know, they're not they're still not like a super pleasurable watch. Like I watched all the originals last week, you know, in lead up to The Last Jedi and yeah. I just it reminded me of how much I love those movies. Like they're just they're so epic. They're so incredible. <laughs> and um but uh, okay. 
and and Dan, I want you to you know if you feel like you want to rebuttal, please. Like I, I you know I'm hoping because people that listen to this, I know I know there are a lot of people that messaged me and said I cannot believe you didn't like the movie. I love the movie, you know, so I know that people that are going to be listening to this are going to take both sides. So I, yeah, it's going to be split. I bet I'm almost sure. So um, yeah, so that's all I have for critique. So, so okay, so and tell me what you thought of this. Okay, so you, you saw Thor Ragnarok. I really like Thor Ragnarok. Do you, yeah. remember, do you remember the scene in the beginning when he's captured by that fire demon uh-huh. and he's hanging from a chain wrapped up? Yeah. And, and you know, there's the moment where he's, you know, uh, he's not doing it on purpose, but he's spinning and, you know, to the point to where he's no longer facing the fire demon when he's talking. Yeah. And, um, and it's funny. He's funny. He's like, wait, hold on. You know, let, let me let me come around, and it's funny, you know, because it like it kind of just takes you out of the moment for a second. Like, oh my gosh, that's pretty funny, right? But then it happens again, and you're like, okay, we got we got the joke the first time, and then it happens again. It happened three times in Thor Ragnarok, okay, and so on the third time, I'm like, that was completely unnecessary. <laughs> the opening comedy scene, comes in threes, though, right? <laughs> say, say that again. Comedy comes in threes, isn't that I, the thing? I, right? Well, I, I think it's a Marvel <laughs> Disney thing. I think the more you force comedy on us, the more we we laugh. I guess, but so one of, one of the brilliance about the original Star Wars is how how funny they were. But a lot uh-huh. of that humor yeah. is is very natural, and and it, and it and it flows within the story and the dialogue of the characters themselves. You know, obviously, like the the Han Leia and like Han Chewie dynamics are some of the best. Um, you know, and then, you know, C-3PO, R2-D2, it just, it, it all flows and it's very, very tasteful and it's very well done in my opinion. Yeah. What I got from The Last Jedi is forced, unnatural and unnecessary humor. And even from The Force Awakens, I thought The Force Awakens was done very well and that there were some really good parts like, like, you know, I mean, Finn, Finn asking if Ray has a boyfriend and stuff like that is, oh my God, like it's, it's funny. It's funny stuff. And, yeah. but the opening scene to the last Jedi, you get Poe calling, you know, the intercom of the star destroyer where general Hux is. And, and it's funny because it's kind of like this thing that happens to us where we're calling, but we can't hear the person. So we're like, hello, are you there? <laughs> like and it's funny it's fun it's funny because we relate to it it's something that happens to us and we're like oh my gosh that's pretty funny yeah yeah but then it happens again you're like okay and then it happens again and it happens a fourth time four (laughs) times poe is trying to talk to hux and make him look like an idiot and and i'm just sitting there going come on like why this this is this is a joke that was funny the first time but the third and fourth time, you, 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 this is unnecessary humor that is so overplayed that, it, it, I mean, it, it's, it's very Marvel-esque. It just feels, you know, a, a lot of the biggest gripes that people have with the Marvel movies is that, that they are unable to go to real depths of, of like real emotion within the movies because the moment something really impactful happens or something very emotional happens, um, there's a joke thrown in. Like yeah. for example, the end of Thor Ragnarok, and I'm not going to spoil it, but obviously there is a huge thing that happens at the very end of Thor Ragnarok, and the guy that's funny in the movie, the blue guy, I can't remember his name, he throws multiple jokes in that totally negates a very emotional, impactful scene 
that should be very devastating for Thor. Yeah. Right. And the guy's just joking about it. And it's like, like, come on guys. Like it's, it, it's okay to have humor in the movie, but this stuff, it, it, it does not go in the flow and it's just forced. And so I, you know, the, the moment that that happened, I'm like, okay, all right. Is this, is this, is this going to be the, the theme of the movie? Like, is this going to be kind of the running jokes of the movie? And ultimately what that did is it set up, it set up how general Hux was going to be treated. General Hux is a punching bag for this movie. He is totally discarded. He is treated like a child and he, there's, there's no, there is no aura of fear or respect about this guy. They created in the force awakens general Hux, even though you don't see him that often, you see him as a rival to Kylo and someone that is at least as driven and powerful and, and selfish and, you know, just evil as Kylo. He just doesn't have the force. And yet in this movie, he's a punching bag and he's a punchline for jokes. And I thought, I just thought they just totally dumped on his character. And so like, even though general Hux survives the movie, I don't care about him. I don't care to see him in the next movie. Like there's nothing about him that is remotely important or, or vital to the story. I mean, and you see it at the end with how Kylo treats Hux. Like Hux is his little errand boy now. Like, yeah. oh my goodness. Dan, oh, I'm just getting started. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't have a problem. Like they could have cut that a bit shorter. I mean, I was going to say he needed the time to charge his yes. engines, whatever he was trying yes. to do. Yes. But I agree. They, they maybe could have cut it down to three or, or so it did feel a little belabored, but I, I thought the joke was pretty funny. I laughed at it. Yeah. And I did too. I did too. The first time I did <laughs> again, again. And I, I mean, listen, I am going to go see this a second time and I wish, I wish I'd seen it twice before doing this movie review, but um, it is what it is. Okay. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> and I actually really liked the use of humor. Like they, they, I didn't feel like it was totally unnatural. I feel like it was out of the normal scope that they do. But to me, it felt uh, funny in a similar way to the originals. So some was more subtle. Some had a more overt tones or were more obvious. But um, I I enjoyed the humor in it. Okay, tell me what you thought of this, though. So some of my least like comedic scenes were those that involved Luke. Okay. So the first time we see Luke, you know, it picks up picks up right where the Force Awakens ends. So Ray is there, yeah. extending her the arm and the and his blue lightsaber to Luke, and Luke mm-hmm. takes it. So this 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 scene is is the climax of the movie of the Force Awakens. This is this is the the incredible moment where we finally see Luke. Ray finds him. Luke turns around. He unveils his hood, and. And there's just this like, oh my gosh, it's Luke. It's a very emotional and and climactic scene. Mm-hmm. And that's the end. There are no words spoken. The music swells. The camera pans out. You start to see the island. It is an awesome scene. And so and you're just like, yes, yes, I cannot wait. <laughs> and what does freaking Luke do? The moment he sees Ray, he takes the lightsaber and tosses it over his shoulder. <laughs> and 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 it, it is it is a cheap it's deflating. It is a cheap. It, it is a lazy way to to 
to expunge a laugh from the audience that completely cheapens the finale of The Force Awakens. How can you ever watch The Force Awakens now and see the ending and think that that is going to be a powerful scene knowing what happens? Luke, Luke mm. is, is, is a bitter, grumpy old man who doesn't care about the Force, doesn't care about Rey, doesn't care about the Resistance, doesn't care about anyone other than himself, and he tosses the lightsaber. But ultimately, it, it is a foreshadowing of what the lightsaber means in the movie. It means absolutely nothing. In The Force well, Awakens, you, we see the lightsaber. Rey touches it. She has a Force flashback. And it's in Maz Kanata builds up this whole thing. The, the, it calls to you, take it. It's, it's, yeah. it is for you to take. And ultimately what happens? The lightsaber gets tossed. It has no purpose or meaning whatsoever in the last Jedi. Well, for me, I saw that differently because, uh, I thought it was a very quick way of saying, this is not the Luke you remember. Luke has changed. And, Basically, that 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 adage "never meet your heroes" sort of thing. Yeah, uh, yes. Or, or you could even go Batman and say either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain, which technically is not the villain. Well, but it's pretty darn close, and, I, and I, I, I like what you're saying, though. I, I do like what you're saying, Dan, and I think there is a lot of validity to this, and and that yeah. that ultimately is is the narrative of of the entire Luke Skywalker arc. Yeah. His character arc is exactly that. Like live, yeah. you know, you either die a hero, live long enough to become the villain. And even though he's not necessarily a villain, he, he, he has taken a neutral stance. But in this war, there is no neutrality. Right. Like, you can't right. sit on the sidelines, which is what he has chosen to do. And, yeah. he, and, and by so doing, he is, given, he is given way for the forced order to take power. Yep. So he's – because for me, that's, that is sort of his villain path of, of – being uninvolved and right. um, thinking that he can prevent bad things from happening by not doing good things by removing himself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that just quickly establishes, cause I didn't have a problem with that scene. I, I just felt that it quickly established him saying basically, no, <laughs> yeah. you can, you can go get it if you want. And, and she does. And so I, I feel still like the lightsaber is significant because it makes it all the way through to the end, even though it's, it's broken, just like the resistance. It's still all the pieces are there. So I, I felt like, hey, that that that's, that's a good that's a good metaphor. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. That's pretty good. Yeah, because because um, yeah, I, I mean, I I felt like it just quickly said, "This is not your Luke." <laughs> well, and that, <laughs> that, Luke that isn't there. That might even be an understatement. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, so and I'm trying. So the way that I've kind of broken down my critiques is I, I've kind of done more of a uh, kind of like a a critique from a film perspective and not a Star yeah. Wars fan. And then I kind of did my Star Wars fan critiques. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, and and yes, you are right. It, it was a very abrupt and quick way to tell the audience this is not the Luke that you think it is. Mm-hmm. And as a fan, as a fan of Star Wars, I hated that. I hated oh, totally. that. I just see that. That would be very sad. Well, it just. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Thank you for your sympathy. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, he's the hero of. of but the, the, he is. Power. He he yeah. is. He is the hero that so many people you know, looked up to, admired, wanted to be. I mean, it, the, the entire trilogy is is his story. I mean, it yeah. is his journey. 
And yeah. to go to the, from where we end in the Return of the Jedi, where he resists the dark side, he resists the Emperor, he tells the Emperor no, to the point of sacrificing his own life, where he throws away his lightsaber and says no. Yeah. And to, to now to where he made one mistake, he's run away from his mistakes, he's run away from his his responsibilities. He's marooned himself and exiled himself on an island to where no one knows where he is. And he's been there for 20 years, just yeah. hanging out. Just one up to dad, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was the chosen one, supposedly, and ended up becoming one of the most hated, uh, evil characters in the galaxy. So at least you didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it just... So, and one of, oh my gosh, I mean, Dan, I could go on for so long and I, and I, I mean, I, I, we're already approaching 55 minutes already on our recording. So, um, I, I I did not like how they took Luke's character. I I thought it was a total disservice to his character. And yes, I am speaking Mm -hmm. from a fan perspective. If you're not a fan and you just see the movie, I think it could, it, it will definitely resonate with people differently. I understand what they're trying to, what Ryan Johnson was trying to do. I understand that. This is how you're going to humanize someone that we set up on a pedestal, someone that we admire, someone that we, you know, that we revere and show him he is no more human than you are and or no less human than you are. And, um, and that I kind of liked it for that reason, and and that they can make mistakes, but in, and in their mistakes, you know, they can find redemption, but the, it, it, it does not make sense for Luke's character to do what he did for so long. And are you saying that for 20 years, Force Ghost Yoda lets Luke wallow in his pity and in, in his own, you know, sorrow for what happened? And then all of a sudden, at the very end, Yoda's going to show up and say, you know, you're still the same boy that's, you know, always looking on the horizon, never on, you know, n- your mind is never here. And so, like, I, 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 well, I, I get I, it. I, think, I don't think he would have been ready to receive that. The only reason why he is now is because he is faced with a choice and given a new opportunity. Because he did fail with Kylo. But now there is Ren and there's um, Hope Oh, again. Ray? Ray? And, yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Ray. And, um, and it, it allows him to have an opportunity to see the problem with his behavior and his choices yeah. and, and to make a different choice. So I don't know. I, I can see what you're saying, but I, I feel like it was just like, he wouldn't have been able to listen to force ghost puppet fairy Yoda. So, 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 so listen to this. So, and I'll send you this YouTube video, um, just okay. after we're done. But, um, there's, uh, Mark Hamill has been pretty vocal about his, yeah. Um, he, how he just has not approved of the direction that that Lucasfilm has taken the Luke Skywalker right. character, and that you know he he just said I I don't I can never see Luke doing this. It just it yeah. doesn't make sense to me. I, I just don't think he would have ever done this. And and one of the things that that surprised him the most is that when he got the script for the Force Awakens, and he is reading through you know everything that happens, and he gets up to the point to where um, Kylo is in the forest at the end of the movie with Finn and Rey. And he has basically dismantled both of them, and the, the lightsaber is sticking in the snow. And then you see it whizzing past Kylo, and someone you know is about to grab it. He said he got to that point, and he said, "Yes, this is where Luke comes in." And <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, it's it's not Luke, it's Ray." But wait, yeah. Ray? How does Ray know how to do that? Who taught her? Did she 
You know, how, how did she do that? And so he, he thought in his mind, this would be a perfect entry for, for Luke to finally appear. He has been gone for so long, but when Han was in distress, he could sense his friends were in distress and needed him, but he got there just too late. He was able to save Ray and Finn though. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. That's so beautiful because that's exactly what Luke would do because that's what he did. And the Empire Strikes Back. He's being trained by Yoda and he starts to sense that his friends are in, in danger and, and they need his help. And he goes rushing to them, but just too late. And so like, I'm like, oh my gosh, that would have been perfect. But, but, but no, we meet this Luke who is a bitter old man who is a, a, a shell of himself. He is, he is, he is basically... He is um, disenfranchised with the Jedi. He hates the Jedi. He doesn't. He's like I'm. You know, the Jedi need to end. And but he, not only that, but he is he has distanced himself from the Force. And so it just. I I just I understand where they were going for the character, and I think and and I I know a lot of people are going to like this because it's you know it's a very humanized Luke Skywalker. I just think it wasn't very powerful storytelling. I think the storytelling could have been much more impactful. Because when imagine, okay, so imagine when remember when Luke meets Yoda. Yoda has exiled himself and marooned himself on a planet, but Yoda isn't bitter. Yoda isn't he isn't this guy who hates the Jedi and hates the Force. He isn't a guy that says I made mistakes and now I'm you know I'm useless. No, he wasn't running away from anything. He was just living out the remainder of his days. And, and, and Luke is running from his past in that. Yes, yes. And and I was I wanted Luke to be Yoda. That's what I wanted. I wanted him uh-huh. to be this person that he feels like his mission is done, and yet he's not running. And the fact that they made Luke running for so long just it doesn't it, it left such a terrible taste in my mouth. And, and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really hard for me to accept this. So, and, and I, and, and Dan, you've done a really good job of, of, you know, of your rebuttal and just, you know, why you think it works. And and I think that's what a lot of people do think, at least those that like, you know, where they've taken Luke, um, you know, and it's very valid. It really is. So, yeah. I mean, I can see if like so many people being emotionally invested in, and the hero that Luke was, but I just feel like it's it's not Luke's story anymore. So I, I didn't have a problem with the treatment of the character. Well, and, and that's why I, I think okay. I think I think. <laughs> but see, but I think they made it Luke's story by by having him needed to be redeemed. And so so where where Ray is, you know, if we're supposed to parallel the originals or at least how kind of the Force Awakens somewhat paralleled the original, um, you know, Ray needs training. She needs training. She needs direction. She needs a guide. She needs a mentor. And Luke is not that. But see, but that's, I mean, that that was the whole, at least that's what the entire Force Awakens set up. And Because that's been the idea, the tradition till now. What I got from this is that those things are all being burned away, that the polar opposites of Jedi and Sith and light and dark are becoming more of a gray. And that the, the kind of fanatical religiosity behind the force that had been up till now is is becoming more universal and we're seeing force users pop up all over and it doesn't require as much training it's not this you can only be these things and do this to be considered light and only these things are considered bad i i felt like it's um 
setting up that Ray doesn't need constant counsel and that like making choices that bring her to the light are what give her training rather perhaps, than choice to the bad. Perhaps. And, and I do think in some aspects, yes, that, that that is what they have set up now. But at the very end, what, what is the last one of the last things that Luke says to to Kylo? Kylo says the Jedi will end with you. And he says, no, the Jedi will live on. And then it shows Ray lifting the rocks. And so I, 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 I think that is what Ryan Johnson was going for. Yep. I just, I, I just don't know if, if it was, if it was fully realized within the story. And I mean, at least specifically with what Luke said, I mean, Luke specifically said, no, the Jedi will not end. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, uh, Okay, here and I'll try to get through these quickly. So this this is not okay. a five hour podcast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so aside from not liking Luke's story, and I felt you know that again, a lot of the main characters kind of discarded Leia. I didn't really feel like served a purpose. Chewie, Chewie's big moment in the movies when he kicked down Luke's door, and I loved that scene so that much. Fun. It yeah. fits so well, and that is the type of comedy where it's it's subtle and yet it puts a smile on your face. And it fits so well into the story. I loved it. And then obviously the Porgs. I think I, I thought I thought him eating the Porgs was very funny. <laughs> I did, yeah, for sure. I, I really they, liked they played that scenes. one out a few times. It kept coming back to him, and then that last one. I, I like that. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a lot of people are saying, look, the Ewoks were, were a total money grab, but they served a purpose, and the Porgs are a total uh-huh. money grab, but don't serve a purpose. I, I like the Porgs anyway. I liked them. Yeah. I thought they were good. So, <laughs> yeah. so, but okay, now let's, uh, these, and I'm going to skip some of my critiques, but these are some of the ones that I, uh, I just, I just think Ryan Johnson did not, I don't think he really cared about the story that was set up in The Force Awakens. I really don't. And what I mean by that is that, one, who the heck is Snoke? Doesn't matter. You know why? Because he's dead. He's dead. He means nothing to the story. Everyone will go back and watch The Force Awakens and not care one bit about who Snoke is because he's dead. And, and well, it has to mean to me that Kylo Ren is the true enemy, and, and maybe so. But th- but it, that's what I mean. It's the story that the Force Awakens set up is totally pooped on on the, the Last Jedi. I mean, you, they create all this mystery and intrigue on who these people are. Yeah, and 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 he's a nobody. He's and it doesn't matter who he is because he's dead, and and not only. Snoke, but Ray, you were trying to figure out who the heck Ray is, and to say that she's a nobody and comes from nothing is so deflating. If she really comes from nothing and nobody, then just say it. And, and, and I, people's rebuttal has been, "Well, Anakin was a nobody." Yeah, but we knew that from the get go. We yeah. knew that they they it wasn't this. Oh, we're going to finally find out who Anakin is to find out that he's just a slave and a nobody. No, it, it, it said it from the beginning. Look, he's a nobody, okay? If Ray really is a nobody, why would you make so much mystery and so many questions revolving her heritage just to say that she's nobody? It it it, it doesn't make sense. I I, I and that's why I'm I'm trying to I'm really trying to convince myself that she is somebody and that we'll find out hopefully in episode nine, but I just don't know how they're gonna do it now. 
I feel like that's a possibility. Like that crossed my mind when they had the reveal that her parents were junkers. But also, it it just kind of followed that same thing of you know giving the force to the masses. But um, the whole reason why the, it didn't bother me to set this up as whole mystery and intrigue and like who's her lineage and. Is she like Obi Wan's granddaughter? <laughs> well, and see that, but see, and that's the thing. It created so much conversation and so many fan theories that, like, I don't think anybody thought she's a nobody. Yeah, I, I well, mean, and, and the reason why I don't mind it is because we get this idea that you have to, you know, have some sort of birthright, or if you can do something special, it means you come from the special place. And I kind of thought it was a, a beautiful, simple idea to say no, like she was chosen by the chores the the force for whatever reason despite the fact that she is nobody and i i get that you know it'd be a letdown to to feel like there's supposed to be this connection but um well i, I, I kind of like that right and and it just that's what i mean by i i i i, I really feel like ryan johnson did not respect enough the story that was presented to us in the force awakens and that he it was like he was rewriting everything he's like okay jj abrams i really like the movie you did but i am going to go in a totally different direction and i'm not going to do what you wanted to do and and so for continuity's sake i i just i think that is poetic and i think that is a good message to send to say look yeah that and 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 even luke says it the 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 Jedi cannot have a monopoly on the Force that does not belong to them because Ray, Ray, you know, when he asks Ray, like, what is the Force, and she says, yeah. it's a power that the Jedi I have, and he it. says, no, no, it's <laughs> yeah. not. You know, the the Jedi are not the sole users of the Force, and 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 mm-hmm. I think that is beautiful. I think that is a good lesson to share that the Jedi are just a, a sect of you know a, of you know really theologians, so to speak, yeah. um, you know that use the Force, and so, but it just. Don't uh, it? It just is like it was like the biggest. It was the biggest tease in the world, <laughs> just to say she's no one. And so, and, and you yeah. know what? I, I honestly, especially how the movie ended, and I very much enjoyed the end of the movie when you see that little boy. Do you, did yeah. you notice that when he grabbed the broom? Yeah, I loved it. And held it, it like a lightsaber, and it has the force <laughs> theme. It was beautiful, and I and I think what. I honestly think what that's saying is that look, here are more kids that can use the force and we don't know who they are and they're probably just nobodies. Yeah. And and but I just oh don't don't build up Ray to be somebody just to say she's nobody. It 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 oh it was so deflating. So okay, and my last critique, and again yeah. I have so many more. <laughs> Freaking Captain Phasma. She is Boba Fett 2.0. She does not serve any purpose. She does nothing in the story other than look cool with shiny armor. Like, I, like you've got to be joking me. Like, are you serious that she just dies like that? Like, she didn't, she had maybe two lines and she has a small fight scene. The ship explodes and she dies in a fireball. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. I, I, Oh, I I don't know. I just I, I felt like I felt like really good storytelling was sacrificed just to to teach us some morals or some some strange lessons. Like like what like the whole scene of Finn and Rose going to that that 
gambling city? Like, what the heck was that all about? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, okay. I'm I'm done. I'm done with my critiques and we're already an hour and ten minutes in. So I do have some highlights. Tell me your highlights and we'll get on with this review, okay? Oh man. Well, I I I loved that it had kind of this sense of wonder and adventure and fun. Um, just kind of throughout the movie. Like I, I enjoyed the feeling that I had the whole way through. Um, and I enjoyed the, the use of the force. Um, and I mean, and a lot of those things are negatives for some people. <laughs> like it seems like you're either going to love it or hate it, but like, tell me, tell me what you loved or you said the use of the force. Tell me. Yeah. So just, I'm trying to think back about specific examples. I hadn't written them down. Well, but, I'll, tell, um, I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you mine. So yeah. um, the, one of my big highlights was the Kylo Ray force connection. I, yeah. I, yeah, I thought that was so well done. And, and yeah. it, what it, cause what it does is it gives perspective to each of them about the other person that they know that they didn't have before. Kylo yeah. sees Ray in a different, excuse me, Ray in a different light and Ray sees Kylo in a different light. And yeah. And I loved what they all had to say. Like it just, it was, it was very well done, and it was something that we had never seen before. But I very much enjoyed that. Yeah, I also really liked the lightsaber duels. I mean, technically, there was a lightsaber and and Asian weapon duel. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it, though. I yes, it yeah, I thought I thought that was very very well yeah. done. Yeah, great action. They're fighting together, and I love uh, Kylo's last move with with uh ray's lightsaber yep. <laughs> it's like one that you always imagine doing when you're yep. imagining to play lightsabers as a kid but I, I i i don't know if people don't like this one but i loved the um astral projection luke versus kylo battle yeah so so really awesome. that that kind of it kind of threw me for a loop for a second uh, but yeah I, th- I think I will like that a lot more on the second viewing. I, I, I began to think about that a lot and, and just ultimately how, how the, the, that scene ends, I thought was very well done. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's as far as accurate sword battles go, they aren't tech. They, they really don't involve a lot of flips and, and clashing swords together. It's usually a few decisive moves charging at each other. Right. I mean, if we look at like Japanese history, for example, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. He, he uh, didn't hit lightsabers with Kylo. Obviously, he couldn't, and Kylo would know. But I, I love the way that was um, shown or demonstrated, and yes. just how how it were these uh, few short, intense sequences of running at each other and trying to end everything with one stroke, and and um, and trying to overcome as well. So yeah. I like yeah. that scene a lot. Yeah. No. I. I, I uh, I think I think what I ended up liking a lot about that is ultimately how Luke ends. You know, I I did not think that Luke was going to survive this movie from from yeah. the get go, right. and and just how it ends with him staring out into the into the dual sunset and the the Force theme is is playing. It was very well done, and and then yeah. yes, for where they took Luke's character, as much as I hate it, I think I think that was a good way to bring him back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess my last um, or plus or positive is that I think that this movie was just beautiful as far as production value and, and sets go. Even yeah. if you didn't, even if the uh, 
the Monte Carlo world <laughs> didn't have a point. <laughs> it was beautiful, and oh, I feel like all geez. the scenes were beautiful. The the light speed jump through Snoke's ship was amazing. Yes, just I mean, yeah. it was it was a beautiful scene, and I love the uh, the the salt planet as well with the blood underneath the salt. <laughs> yes, no, <laughs> yeah, red yeah. When compressed, but yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was a beautiful movie. Yeah, no, same here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that that scene where she does do light speed right through a ship. I uh-huh. love that too. And it's something yeah. again we had never seen before. Right. But my question was why the heck did you not do that like 15 minutes earlier? <laughs> the moment you start seeing ships blow up and you know you're the last one on this ship just just don't don't let don't let too many people die before you decide to do that. <laughs> purple hair slowed her down a bit. Yeah. So I no I agree. I I thought and this will kind of bring me to just one other critique I failed to mention, but um, I love the sets as well. I thought I thought that so the planet I think it was called Crate that red planet, yeah. yeah, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I thought, and especially just for the motifs and the theme of the movie itself, you know, yeah. and having just this red salt or dirt or whatever, you know, everywhere was just awesome. It was so yeah. well done, and especially like when the Millennium Falcon is flying through those caves with the oh, I, yeah. the salt crystals and everything. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome, 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 <laughs> awesome. Yes, and yeah, and so you know, and the the initial space battle, I thought that was an awesome space battle. It was cool to see some of those old ships back, like the the A wing and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and, and there there is a lot to like about the movie. There really is, and um, and. Dan? Yes. Okay. Ooh, sorry, I thought I dropped you for a sec. Nope. <laughs> so so there is. There really is a lot to like about the movie. Um so in this so going back to just talking about the sets and things like that, one of the things that I think Star Wars has done really well up until this point and in the prequels too, the the last Jedi was very different in that it, it was very it made the universe seem very small. And maybe that was because most oh, the entire movie is just this space chase. Yeah. Um, where at non warp speed, non light speed. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> even though you do get to see a couple different planets, you know, most of Ray's interaction takes place on the island. She rarely leaves the island until she gets, you know, goes confront to confront Kylo and Snoke. Yeah. Um, and it just it, it felt like it shrunk the universe, and it seemed very small. And hmm. maybe that was on purpose. I just I didn't like that as much as to okay. where. Rogue One and The Force Awakens and even the prequels did such a good job of showing you this is a huge universe. There are so many players at stake. There are so many creatures. There are so many different forms of life and planets and things like that. And 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 this just it really shrunk the universe down. And maybe people like that as more of an intimate setting. But yeah. I, I that was something that I, I was kind of like, uh I, 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 it just seemed really small. It seemed really okay. small, but, but it was very beautiful, very, very well shot. Um, you know, the red throne room with Snoke and that, you know, subsequent fight scene. And it was very good. Very good. So, okay, Dan, yes. before we go on to a recommendation, okay. what are the messages or themes that spoke to you, resonated <laughs> with you in this movie? I think... The biggest one that stood out to me was just um, kind of undying hope in the face of failure. Because in this movie, they don't really have a big win. 
like if you think of New Hope, they have an awards ceremony at the end, and they really stuck it to the Empire. And this one, they just they kind of survive, but they're still hopeful and still rebuilding. And even several of the uh, the attempts to turn things around throughout the movie also end in failure, or or are a, a success at great cost. And at the end of the movie, I think the the greatest message they present with the small batch of fighters that are still alive and with Luke having some turn toward resolution is just um, an enduring hope for good and a kind of resilience. So that's what it was to me. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the over, I, I guess the main underlining theme that I took away from this movie is, is just along the same lines that you said is that, you know, failure should not define you and that if you let it define you, it can ruin you just like it ruined Luke. And yeah. that that ultimately it's okay that you fail because we'll see you know Luke's not the only one that fails in the movie Poe totally fails um, you know yeah. uh, Ray Ray in a sense you know she is unable to rescue Kylo or bring him back yeah you know so she kind of has a sense of failure um, Finn I don't know what Finn's story was <laughs> in this movie I I thought you know I thought there was going to be a great message of sacrifice and Finn giving up his life and you know no longer running away but you know going toward that which he you know you know wants to fight against yeah, and, yeah. yeah but but yeah I think the underlining message for me at least was do not let failure define you learn yeah. from it you know grow from it let it teach you don't let it define you and that ultimately everyone can make mistakes even your heroes even yep. your greatest of heroes can make mistakes yeah. but but it, they are meant to be your teacher and not this sense of i am worthless so right daniel are you ready for our final or any last words before we move on to our le- recommendation uh no i'll well, i'll i'll tack it on the end there i'm ready okay all right uh let's move on to our backseat director's recommendation our recommendation daniel is this for you a go see it movie a maybe wait or is it a no go it is for me an absolute go see it (laughs) 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 if with the caveat that if you are heavily invested in fan theories and have expectations of what should happen and will be disappointed if you don't get the answers that you want be forewarned (laughs) yeah I think it's very possible to enjoy this movie very thoroughly if you just like Star Wars, are open to new directions, and um, would like to have some fun. So my recommendation is absolutely go see it. I think that's a very fair and valid recommendation. My recommendation is a maybe wait. And this is, yes, coming from a film perspective and a fan perspective. I think this movie is absolutely absolutely worth seeing at least once. I think seeing it in theaters is fun. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Um, and I'm hoping, hoping that on a second viewing, because I will go see it again, that I will enjoy it more and, and, and just understand things in a different kind of light that I, you know, did not have a easy time with before, but just there, there are a lot of things regarding the, the, the character development or lack of development and just specific ways that the film played out. And especially the unnatural and forced jokes that I thought were much too prevalent throughout the movie. My recommendation (laughs) is a maybe wait, but Daniel, I will make sure to include that yours is a go see it. 
not just a big yellow maybe weight stamp, but I'll try to do like a half and half or something like that. So. <laughs> okay. But Daniel, thanks for being on the podcast, man. It's been a pleasure. What a movie to, to review. Absolutely. So Dan, this is by far my longest podcast episode. Oh geez! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't apologize. I, I think for Star Wars, it is it, it merits. Well worth it. Uh, yes, yeah, it, it merits review. this kind of episode. But uh, okay. All right. Well, Daniel, if uh, people want to get a hold of you or reach out to you or just say hello on social media, I know you have some social media accounts. How can people reach out to you? Uh, I kind of have my hands in a lot of different things. On Instagram, I'm zj underscore adventures. That's uh, my photography account. On YouTube, I'm Regular Dude Fitness. <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, on Facebook, yes. I'm just Daniel Criddle or Dan Criddle. So, any of those three avenues will get you to me. Well, Daniel, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Make sure to stay up to date and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, any other podcast outlet, really, that you may subscribe to. You can find us there. Um, And so, yeah, on behalf of Dan, this is Andre with Backseat Directors, and we'll see you guys next week at the movies. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The BD Podcast. It's movie day. Yeah, the time has come. So many different types of movies we can all choose from. There's action, adventure, animation, and comedy. There's sci-fi and westerns and classics, documentaries. Uh, so many options, so much variety. There's a perfect movie for you and him and her and me. Uh, so find your seat in the perfect row. Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone.